You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legend. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative co-host, Gibbles and Bits. Gibbles and Bits, how you doing tonight, my man? Good, good, good. Coming to you live from Delaware. Things are uh, northy up here. Uh, for the time Northy. Being. You're even northy, northier than I am. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks super hard. Not for long. Not for long. I think, th- I think there is light. There is warm. There is, unfortunately, pollen at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm starting to feel those good spring vibes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've seen Lord of the Rings, but in, uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring, there's the scene where Aragorn is walking with the hobbits, and they go for breakfast. He says, we already had breakfast. He said, yes, we've had first breakfast, but what about second breakfast? You have to go for second breakfast. Yeah, and in Pennsylvania, we're doing the same thing, but with winter. It's like, you've had first winter, but what about second winter? <laughs> and now we're having third winter, and it won't let us go. It's just, uh, yeah, not fun. I saw a good chart. Uh, I've seen it float around across the number of years, and it is a chart that uh, shows all of the different seasons and it's like spring, or it's like fake spring and then uh, a rainy season and then spring and then back to like, oops, gotcha, back to, back to summer again or back to, back to winter. It's cold, eternal cold, and then finally yep. it's spring. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what spring is where we are because it's just it's such a, a hot mess mixture of all kinds of stuff, very similar to what my Legends of Runeterra experience has actually been like recently. And we have lots to talk about tonight, one from a listener, a request from a listener, and uh, and also just working our way through the current changes in meta and stuff. Uh, we want to get into that. But tell me first, Gibby, what have you been playing in uh, an LOR as of late? I have been resisting the urge to play any of the new Broken Decks that are out mm. there. So we talk about, and we'll, we will get into them later, but I haven't played any Sundisk. I haven't played any Victor. I haven't played uh, any, any Puff Cap stuff. Uh, I've, I've brought back some old classics of mine, testing, I, and usually I go through a phase of testing, right? So it's not that everything is going to be successful and I don't expect it to be, um, but I'll go through a phase of playing some old decks that I'll stop, take an evaluation of the meta and say, at least what emerges initially and say, what do I think I'm going to see a lot because of all the changes? Now, what do I Mm. think would beat it? And I will pull out some of my old creations and tweak them if I haven't played them in a while with maybe some new cards, just revisit the pool of cards within whatever two regions they are um, and see if there's anything new to add that would improve those decks since I last visited them and then try them out. A couple that I've had some some success with. Uh, I had a deck that I built a while ago called Body Swap, which is a, um, a Shadow Wiles and Demacia deck that runs Cal- runs Callista and then runs Lucian and and uh, non champion Senna. So for a bit of uh, aggro, and if 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 you hit it right, you start rallying really really early, and you can always pull 
those champs back in again, but it's also got its own self kill tool. So it's not always, always uh, relying on other people killing your stuff. So it, 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 it's a pretty fast deck. It can be pretty fast. I pulled out my, um, blue flower, red thorns deck, or as Ian, uh, calls it rosebuds, uh, that deck we built together. That's the, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the Siver uh, Siver Darius deck. Pulled that out again um, just to see how that would do. Did pretty well. And um, those have been the the main two that I've been kind of messing around with. And uh, I think maybe maybe the only thing that I've dipped into that is, has kind of emerged that from recent changes, I was playing some Targon's Peak. Uh, but my own creation of it that still ran Howling Abyss uh, as a, as a partial finisher along the with... The old double whammy. Yeah, the, the old, the the old double landmark speak. whammy. Yeah, that that that'll that'll get them. That'll get them. <laughs> the best game was playing a Yasuo Aphelios deck, hitting She Who Wonder Wanders or whatever it is, um, destroying two Aphelios, one of them on board, one of them in hand, and a Yasuo that was in hand, along with multiple other uh, of his of his units. Playing Howling Abyss and the first level up to level uh, second level up champion that I pulled was a leveled up Aphelios. That's oh, just nice. a it was just a giant slap in the face. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I'm there's no way that I'm not playing this. This this has to go on board. And he and he he emoted this guy had good spirits. He emoted and then he conceded. And I was like, okay, good. That's how this <laughs> should go. <laughs> just let him let him let him emote and then uh and then surrender. I felt uh, slightly dirty, but it's okay. Well, yeah, but only. I mean, yeah, but it, 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 you you could be playing one of these other scumbag decks that are out there for sure. And I'm uh, not, and I think that's why I'm enjoying the game still. How was uh, your game experience, sir? Yeah. Well, you know, Gibby caught me on a night where I'm I'm pretty tilted. Well, I was pretty tilted, so I'm I'm, I'm going to do my very best just to remain positive uh, about the game in general. Because uh, really up to, you know, this last point, like, I've been pretty happy with uh, a lot of the changes that I feel like they've made. Um, I feel like um, a lot of where the game was was in a really good spot. We're going to talk about the patch and why I think that maybe the patch has presented us with some um, opportunities to rethink our choices uh, and go back to the drawing board. But... Um, how diplomatic of you to put it that way. Yeah. Isn't that kind? I feel like that was a really kind way to put it. Um, but, uh, th there, there's just a couple of changes that I just genuinely, I just can't, I just cannot wrap my mind around why they happened. Um, but I've been playing in diamond. So I, uh, I pushed a diamond, I think maybe right after the last time we recorded. Um, and I pushed there with Bandel tree right before all of the changes, and it was pretty strong. It did not work nearly as well. Uh, decks were way more, um, like, I don't, not attacking. They were just way more aggressive. Like, there was a lot more pressure in Diamond um, sort of towards the end there. And so I, I was sort of, had fallen out of it. Um, and so I thought, okay, with the new stuff, I'll switch in. So I jumped in because I heard, hey, Sundisk is being played a lot, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I was like, oh, I will play Swain because I've never really gotten into Swain. Um, How dare so you? Like, yeah, I've just never, it's just never really been my jam. It's like, okay, well, let's go check out Swain. I was like, okay, Swain TF. Like, I bet you, I bet you Swain TF is going to be great. Um, so I have been playing a lot of Swain TF 
with varying levels of success, uh, the funny part is, is the deck that I built it against is the Mono Sharima list that we're going to talk about. And uh, as it turns out, it doesn't even matter a lot of times when you kill the Mono Sharima list's uh, landmark because they're still way over tuned. Um, it's, it, they finally kind of got like the perfect combination for the mono list. I don't, you know, there was always sort of like fishing around, making the landmark better, making you draw it sooner and making it go straight on the board. And then like tweaking this or that buffing Zareth. And, um, well, congratulations. You definitely found the combo now because it is super strong. Um, super, super strong. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, but I've been messing around with, with Swain TF. I've been playing a lot of that. And to be honest with you, I'm feeling like I'm going to try Swain in some other stuff um, because you know what, man? I've never played a lot of him. It's like you don't need anything but him and Leviathan. He's Dude, like a whole package. Swain is super flexible, and if you want to play Swain, you and I need to have a conversation because I think I'm qualified to be the re resident uh, Swain expert here who's practically tried Swain with every other champion, successful and not. So we, we need to talk. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll build a deck together. We'll present it next episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe we do. I, I have a couple of ideas uh, for other decks beyond, you know, what I've built so far. Um, it, the hard part with Swain that I find, and this is this has just been the most difficult thing, is there's oftentimes not a lot of things that you can do between him and Leviathan. It's like, that is how you're going to close out the game, but basically turn six and seven and getting to eight. Like, you got to find a way to keep the board um and that's not actually all it's not as easy to do as, as you might think it is like it's it can be kind of hard to keep the board those last couple of turns no uh, we're gonna do we're gonna build a deck that runs uh it's gonna run noxus and shurium and we're gonna play spirit fire oh yeah spirit fire could be a cool one to use give um, everything minus two attack and deal two to him at the end of the turn yeah, it's pretty good. I, I've been thinking about combining him with Targon and going Aphilios because he just got buffed and is super strong right now. Um, but now I'm really liking this idea, and I probably shouldn't try to craft a deck while I'm on stream because that's an unwise decision. Um, but uh, and while, while we're while we're recording, um, but I now kind of want to try to make it work. Uh, who would you combine him with? I mean, let's just theory craft something Ooh. for a couple of seconds here. What is the is it is it Siver just because Siver's so strong and it's just like heck with you? I'm gonna play Siver. I mean, the hard part, I guess you could play, yeah, it, it's kind of a hard choice as to your secondary champion to go with the Swain. Maybe it's Akshan though, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd have you'd have a lot of a lot of choices, but I mean, I mean, Akshan would be solid. I mean, you're gonna want something that I mean, Synergy is the name of the game, right? So you're gonna want something that. Also does damage, uh, or is non-combat damage. damage? Well, non-combat damage, just damage in other ways. I mean, you could look at something, maybe like a Ziggs. Oh, um, you could look. Yeah, you could look at Ziggs. You could look at a Zerath. Um, for make do a little bit of landmark stuff in there. Um, so there's, I mean, there's there's definitely options there. Yeah, there's some cool options. Well, well, we'll have to come back next week and talk a little bit about what we ultimately ended up, you know, coming up with. Because I think there could, there, there's, there's some opportunity out there to to explore. So, we'll have to uh, we'll have to report back. 
But uh, yeah, so that was that was my week. But real quickly, we want to go over just a couple of quick announcements. I'll tell you this. The second episode of season one of Almost Legends is out now. So you can actually grab a link for it in the description of this episode. We do a Dungeons and Dragons play podcast that we started really just last month. Uh, and uh, the first, the trailer, or it's like episode zero and the first two full episodes are out. Each of those are a couple of hours long. Um, I think they're really excellent. Uh, you know, just speaking myself, I think they're really, really well done. You should definitely go check those out. Almost Legends, a D&D play podcast that takes place during the events of the show Arcane. So it's intimately connected to the world of Runeterra and uh, has been really fun to produce and put out. But then you also have uh, a couple of announcements. You have an announcement to make as well, right? Gibby, are you guys prepared for that? I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, first episode is out. So we are. Oh, nice. So, so DVN and I uh, are running a, a new show underneath of the Camp Legends banner. Uh, called Aos Airwaves, Aos being the energy that you collect in the game, Pokemon Unite. Uh, yep. DBN and I have been playing Pokemon Unite. I know you did too at one point, uh, Mark. I need to pick it back up. I really it's do. It's so I need good, to man. Pick it back up. It's it's in a great spot. It's continuing to get better. It's the, they're doing a lot with the game. I'm really enjoying it. We've got several members of our uh, Camp Legend community that we formed a five stack team with and a couple other extra members that we do play with every now and then that, so we do have some interest within the camp legends network as well, but we would always love more. So AOS airwaves is a Pokemon unite podcast that DB and I, DBN and I decided to put together. We will be running those uh, kind of bi-weekly on our own time uh, and putting those out those episodes. And there's going to be a variety of different segments on there. We're going to have content that is for new players. We're going to have co- or, or the casual player for that matter. We're going to have content that's for the competitive scene and relevant to that. And then we're also going to have a, a creative segment that will probably change from week to week. But we do have some ideas of some recurring segments that as well that we could run. So there'll be quite a variety of, of, of info on there. Well, hopefully that'll be uh, useful. We're even considering taking it to YouTube and having a visual component too. So you guys oh, can visually okay. see us talking, something we did on our first episode. Uh, just as a little bit of a spoiler, but hopefully to pique your interest, is there is not a draft format. There's n- you play five v five in this uh, in this MOBA uh, of Pokemon Unite, and there's no draft format, but that is a common draft thing. So DBN found a tool online that is a Pokemon Unite draft tool, and we did it a draft a five v five draft with with two bands each live on our first episode as our creative segment and drafted our teams and then discussed how they would work and the strategy behind them. And we're asking for, for fan interaction with that, about whose team would you pick, which whose team would you go into battle with? So there's going to be segments like that, a lot of creativity. We're going to do some medalists uh, in there as well, just to, or just some, some tier lists in order to kind of gauge where we personally think the game is at and what, what Pokemon are, are better than others. So a lot coming from that. Would encourage you to, one, check out Pokemon Unite, but two, Check out AOS Airwaves, our new podcast. There is a channel for it in the Discord that you might have seen pop up, not know what it was, but stop in there, listen to the episodes, and hopefully uh, we'll have some some good quality discussion in there as well. Yeah, I'll grab a link for that too uh, and make sure it's in the description of this episode. So you want to check out AOS Airwaves, go check that out, especially even if you don't play Pokemon Unite, but you've been maybe interested or have thought about it or maybe 
uh, like me, I'm going to listen to it. I didn't even know the first episode was out. I'm going to listen to it strictly because uh, I haven't um, I haven't played in a while. And if I'm going to get back into it, I'm going to be honest. Like, I played season one for a while. My brother hit master in season one. And uh, it was around that time where he was really climbing that I sort of gave it a break and stepped away. Um, I was just too frustrated with Zapdos. Uh, and so I'm excited to hear kind of what changes they made and what new Pokemon they've added to the game. Um, and uh, I needed to dust off the switch and bring it over here and set it up in the in the studio so that I can actually, you know, jump on and, and, and learn and play with you guys. Who knows? Maybe even after recording tonight, I'll go I'll go dust the thing off. Although you guys are having like real practice time tonight, huh? Hey, stop in, Real stop in, and stuff. stop in and watch. Uh, if anybody's interested, we do have our own server uh, that we have for our competitive team that we play. But you are more than welcome to be a part of it if you ever want to watch practices or if you have interest in that. Please comment in the Discord, and we can get you involved. Uh, it's a it's a lot of time. It's a lot, it's a good time, a lot of fun. And yeah. also, side note, don't feel like you have to have a Switch in order to play. There is a mobile client for yes, Pokemon yeah, Unite yeah. as well. That's what I actually predominantly play on, and it's fantastic. Okay, well, hey, let's dive out of this and jump into, uh, into our first segment for this episode. All right, team, adventure time. Okay, guys, in the first segment for this episode, we actually had a recommendation come in um, from Heart of Tanks, uh, who uh, I got connected with him through both Legends Cast and Lux, and... Uh, and actually just hung out with him tonight. Um, and he basically said, like, he's an MTG player um, and has been considering getting back into LOR. But what would you do if maybe there was a returning player? Um, some suggestions for those who are returning to the game. And I thought this is actually a good idea to do periodically when we get new champions. Because there are going to be people who just see a champion that they play in LOL that they love. I don't think about this because I don't play LOL, right? And sure. I've consistently played LOR for a couple of years now. But let's say I was inconsistent in LOR, and then uh, my favorite champion come out, let's just say Jin comes out, which he literally is going to be coming out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm main Jin. I'll go check out LOR. That was kind of a fun game. I'm going to go check out Jin. You know, there's going to be people who are going to return like that when they see their favorite or most played champions come into the card game. They're going to come just to check out and see what it's like again and play their champion some. So I thought it would be a good idea to occasionally do this. Hey, if you're coming back to the game, what are some things that you should know? And I thought Gibby and I would could do a, a good job of bringing up some of those things. Gibby, I'm going to kick it to you first and just share what are what are some things that you think a returning player should know about LOR? Let's say they've missed it. They, they played back. Let's say, you know, Targon. They left during Targon. They haven't been back since we got Sharima and Vandal City that's come out since then. Um, oh, goodness. You haven't played since Targon. What have you been doing? Where have you been, friend? Well, welcome back to uh, to to Legends Cast. We're also now not just called Legends Cast. We're called Camp Legends. That's the first thing you should know. Not necessarily yes. Legends of Runeterra thing, but something you should still know. So uh, in-game, per se, here's the first thing to know that I thought about. Weekly vaults have not changed. No news. No new news there. It's still going to be a great way for you to get your uh, your currency up in the game all of your shards and all of your wild cards, those all still work the same. All the different classifications are exactly the same. Second thing, there are some new modes available uh, for yep. you to play. And I'll let you go into them specifically because you are, uh, I think, a little bit more uh, involved in these. But, I mean, the labs as we know them, 
uh, have changed. So there used to be kind of these weekly rotating or, or bi-weekly rotating maps that are, or, or labs that, that had different kind of wind conditions to them where they were just kind of crazy, wacky, different rule sets. Well, now they have a specific uh, lab called Path of Champions. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it back to you uh, real quick. Go ahead and tell us about Path of Champions, uh, Mark. You are, I think, the expert on this topic. Uh, well, I don't know that I'm the expert on it, but Path of Champions is uh, the basically the replacement for labs, which is it's very similar to, um, uh, it, it's almost like a roguelike, uh, like play style game where like you can jump in and play, um, like you choose the champion that you want to play. Um, and then after you choose the champion you want to play, you get like a very base, a small handful of cards that you're going to be able to use. Um, and then uh, after you, you know, you get those those cards, every time you battle, you're going to get access to new cards. Um, and so they'll consistently be, you know, new things that you're going to be able to add to your deck. It's a really interesting game mode and, and it's all PVE, which I think is maybe one of people's favorite aspects about the game is that the entire game um, is uh, is PVE the whole way through. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have been playing it because of that. You get into the game. But I think maybe one of the most important things is if you haven't played in a while, um, you know, the, the PVE is uh, well worth your time and energy and your resources to put into it. Because it's going to give you a lot of champions. I think you still get what Echo, Jace, and Vi through it. Um, and so there's lots of opportunity to get new champions that maybe you didn't have before. Um, you can now get your hands on them uh, by playing through Path of Champions, even if you had missed some of them. And I think that is probably one of the best parts about it. So Path of Champions is definitely something that you want to check out. If you're like me, you'll probably play some of it. You'll unlock some of the rewards, and then you'll probably get over it and just be like, yeah, like, that was good, but I'm I'm just, you know, I'm kind of done with it. And and I, you know, completely understand that, um, but definitely had a, a really good time um, with Path of Champions when it first came out. That's something that you're going to want to check out, and it is replacing, you know, all of the experimental modes that we had. Yeah, and they are continuing to expand upon Path of Champions too. So the, yep. the game mode that you see currently, if you were to jump into the client, is not necessarily the one that will be there uh, long term. It won't be the same situations. It won't be the same champions. It won't be uh, the size that it is. It's going to continue growing. They've already put that out as a as a part of the 2022 roadmap about yep, where they expect the game to be going. And with yep. that is the expeditions, right? So expedition the long-term game mode that you know and love that has been around for a long time where you can draft a deck and try to get to seven wins with it, uh, that mode is going away. So if you have a bunch of expedition tokens, you could accrue one every single week if you get to a certain level within your weekly vault. Make sure you go and turn those expedition tokens and you don't even have to draft a deck. Go and get that extra currency, in-game currency, for those expedition tokens uh, before they take that game mode away. I don't know the date off the top of my head about when they're taking that game mode away. It's in May, I believe. Like it's I think coming it's up. In May. Well, yeah, I, I see, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not far from now. Like I see that the uh, uh, the tournament for the uh, the the end of the season rank or the end of the season is like is the middle of May. Like the cutoff for masters mm. to qualify for your rank is uh, for the top seven hundred is May thirteenth. 
the playoffs are like May 21st for uh, the seasonal tournament. So I would imagine it to be around then. So I would say if you can, by the middle of May, turn in all the ex- those expedition tokens, you'll be safe. But yes. definitely worth doing. Absolutely. 100% worth doing. Uh, and yeah, because if, if you if you don't, you're going to miss out on... Um, you're gonna, you're just gonna miss out on a lot of uh, on a on a lot of free stuff. You get those free epic capsules with each one of them, one hundred percent. You know, worth going and and making sure that you can get your hands on those things because, yeah, yeah they're they're well worth it. Uh, I would I would say if there's a couple in game things to think about, one, or at least from a, from a deck perspective, if let's say you're gonna play constructed, one. You're gonna see two. Let's say we're gonna we're gonna operate under the premise that Mark is talking about, where these people haven't come back since Targon. There are sure. a couple new regions that you haven't seen. One Sharima, this big old yellow sun uh, faction, and there's also Bandle City. All these little fuzzy creatures running around. So those are the last two factions that are added into the game. There aren't gonna be any more. They're probably get, they're adding some neutral stuff. Like they're, they're like we're having Jin join the game. He's going to be a neutral or a colorless uh, champion. There's going to be some extra rules and restrictions around that. You can go read one of the recent updates from the devs if you want to learn about exactly how that's going to work. But there's also multi-region followers and champions. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. That's, that's a big part huge. Of the game. You're going to see some cards in the game, the client that have two regions attached to them. Though that means that you can build a deck with that champion being a part of either of those regions, and it'll count. So multi-region followers are a little and champions are a little bit more flexible. They're all tied to Bandle City. So they're all the multi-region followers and champions are Bandle City and something else. They're not any other combination for now. Uh, we don't know exactly what they're gonna do. Maybe they'll expand it later. I don't know. But right now they haven't. Yeah. But right now they haven't. So look out for those multi-region followers and champions and um, think about how you could build, you can construct a deck with that. I would suggest going and watching some YouTube content, looking at some meta lists and maybe getting an idea about what's out there or maybe playing path of champions too. Cause all those cards that are going to be in constructed will also be in path of champions. It'll help you kind of get an understanding on the card pool and maybe what to craft over other things. Yeah, really, I think the answer is when you come back, the first thing you need to do if you're listening to this before May is pretty soon thereafter, get rid of your get rid of your expedition tokens. If you're going to play expedition, more power to you. Go and do it. I do still enjoy it. Um, if you're not going to play expeditions, um, then one of the things that you, you need to do, go check in the tokens and then go over and get into Path of Champions uh, really as early as you can because I think that is going to be really important. Um, because Path of Champions is going to let you know a lot of the new stuff and give you access to a lot of cards. And the cool part is you get experience in Path of Champions for the first for three wins that you get each day, the same that you get whenever you are doing PvP matches. So you're not getting gypped at all by playing Path of Champions. In fact, you can get that and you can go get the 400, 200, and 100 bonus experience a day for your three wins uh, over in uh, over in both, and so you can do that in PvP and in Path of Champions. Um, it enables you to get a lot of bonus XP if you're new to the mm-hmm. game. You might not realize that. I think the last thing that they've really added that you need to get caught up on is when you log in, you're going to notice a new currency. Before you had shards, green shards, 
and coins. Now you have red shards, which if you haven't played since they added prismatics to the game, this allows you to give like brighter, golden, shinier borders with a bit of like a holographic sheen to specific cards. Uh, it's entirely like uh, cosmetic. It doesn't make, you can't make cards with prismatic shards. You have to have the deck ahead of time or the card ahead of time. Then you can make it and you don't have to do it three times. So let's say you wanted to make, you know, your Heimerdinger prismatic because mine is and you wanted to copy me and that makes total sense. Um, You're so cool. Yeah, just, just too Can cool. we be like you? Is this I returning know. episode how to be like Mark? Yeah, this is the returning. Yes, we'll do this that is, next episode as well. That's going to take multiple episodes, unfortunately. This is how to be uh, more like the lift and elevate your game. You see what I did there? Yes, yes, lift it up, lift it up. Um, so when you make something prismatic, it makes all of your copies prismatic. So let's say I have three Heimerdingers. You don't have to spend 2,100 shards to get three prismatic. You just make it prismatic. It makes all your copies prismatic. And then when you go into your deck manager and you're choosing your cosmetics, there is a new uh, tab there. And I guess last, cosmetically, skins got added to the game, which could be very confusing for somebody who's returning. It can be very confusing and very expensive if yes. you see those skins. No lie, I think the skins are, the, are one of the coolest, if not the coolest, cosmetic in the game. Yeah, They are so cool. You can preview them. You'll see some of them that don't have any kind of uh, moving parts to them. That just means that it's a new uh, kind of picture. It's a new graphic uh, for both the level one and the level two versions of whatever champion it is. But some of them actually have new level up animations associated with them across the different events and releases that you that have happened while you've been away. And you can buy those and they will equip a uh, a new skin, not only to your level one, champion of whatever it is that you buy but as they level up there's also a new thematic uh level up animation that'll play as mm -hmm. they as they flip into that level two champion as well so there's a lot of really cool stuff those that's a fantastic feature that they added to the game and, if and it's have, expensive i mean it's it expensive it's... but if you have any questions about which ones are the best i'm sure mark dbn and i would love to tell you Yes, we have no problem telling you which ones you should buy and spend your money on. Deepin will immediately you, say Santa Braum. Yeah, he will. But the most recent set is some of the best ones that we've had so far, in my opinion. I, I, I agree. really think. Uh, I really think I, I bought a couple of them, and we'll talk about that today as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, so all kinds of new stuff for you to check out if you are returning to the game. There's lots of reasons to return to the game. First of all. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that they've added that are worth checking out. Um, but then, you know, you, you know, you, if you're, if I think that there's a lot of cool decks that are out there right now too. And, uh, you know, it might not hurt you to go jump on Mobilytics or something, see where your favorite champion is right now, see, you know, what's popular, what's strong, what's good um, in the current meta. Um, it might give you a bit of an idea about, you know, what direction you want to go and maybe what cards uh, you might, you know, might be most interested in playing. Uh, is that it, though? Is that, I mean, that's a lot of information. That's a lot of stuff to catch you up if you're returning uh, right now. But I, I, I think, think that's, that's about a, all of it. I think that's a good standpoint right now. If you do have any further questions as you're as you're navigating your way back into the game, feel free to message us. Feel free to message anybody on our disc on our Discord. We've got a lot of yeah. really great, helpful, and knowledgeable people 
uh, in our our Discord. So don't be hesitant to um, to, to post any messages in the Legends of Runeterra chat in there if you've got questions about what's new or what something means. There are a, a billion people that will, will kindly respond to you and give you the exact the exact answer that you need and maybe some further suggestions beyond that. Yeah, we, yeah, we really do have a, a really a really great community over there. So make sure you come and check that out. Okay, Gibby, are you ready? Uh, we gotta we gotta jump into the last segment for this episode, and we're gonna be talking through the card changes and everything that came out with the most recent patch. You ready to go? Absolutely, let's do it. Awesome. Playtime's over. Okay, guys, in this last segment, uh, we're going to be talking about patch 3.4, um, which was a giant patch that came out. It released three new cards uh, that got added into the game. I'm going to read why that is. A humongous number of champion and card adjustments, both buffs and nerfs, to switch up and change up the meta. And it has indeed switched up and changed up the meta in quite a few ways. Um, and we're not going to have time to go through all of them, but we're going to hit at least some of them. In addition to that, we also got the brand new cosmetic pack for all of the Infernal skins, giving us Infernal skin, uh, Ken, I'm sorry, Infernal skin, Shen, Kennen, uh, and then Pantheon, Galio, Swain, a board, uh, a Poro, a new shark, uh, a new bird, and uh, a new card back. And I believe the Poro is accessible through an in-game quest uh, progression right now. And I think you have about, I don't know, give or take three weeks to complete that. Um, so definitely, you know, worth logging in, you know, even if it's just to check that out, uh, in my opinion. Because it's, mm -hmm. I, I always enjoy free cosmetics. I'm, I'm never somebody who's going to, you know, turn my nose up at free cosmetics, that's for sure. So why don't we start off, the first thing in the article was about the new cards that got added, and basically what they said in the beginning was, hey, we're releasing three new cards, uh, mostly because we're kind of taking on a new philosophy about balancing the game. We wanted to try out adding some new cards into the game that might change things up uh, in terms of how the game is played. I sort of expected these to be silver bullet cards. Um, but they didn't end up really being that. In fact, I don't know that any of them are even being played right now. Um, do you have uh, them pulled up there, Gibby? You want to take us through the first one, or I can take us through the first one, you can take us through the second. Yeah, I got them pulled up. I'll go through the first one. So the first one is a three-cost slow spell from Sharima called Desert Duel. It is, has given enemy negative two uh, attack this round, an ally and that enemy strike each other. So you can debuff something down, and then your ally and that other now weaker enemy and then strike each other so it is ordered specifically in that way um that's the first one do you want me just to run through all three of them just while i while I got sure. them up? yeah yeah then we'll talk about them in general cool uh the five there's a five cost fast spell for targon called celestial wonder uh that says stun two enemies pretty straightforward and then the last one is a five cost slow spell from p and z called rocket barrage that says deal three to an enemy and one to all other enemies. So a, a bigger burst of damage, and then a um, a one cross, a, a one across the board, almost an AOE smaller ice shard, if you will, uh, to all the other enemies that you didn't target with that three damage. So three spells, uh, one of them a strike, one of them a stun, and one of them a, a direct damage. So what are your impressions on these uh, cards, Mark? Have you been seeing them out around in decks have you played them at all yourself 
You know, I haven't actually played them. I, I have thought about it. And I'll be honest, I also have not seen a single one of them played. Um, like, wow. My experience in Diamond has has been pretty exclusively negative uh, in many ways. Uh, it's been, um, you know, we've I've seen just a lot of uh, a lot of like Targon's Peak. Um, uh, obviously, the Mono Sharima deck that has come out has made you know has made huge waves. You know, people are having a lot of conversation. Uh, around that deck right now which makes sense it's extremely extremely strong you know some people calling it you know way over tuned super busted um i i don't know a hundred percent if that is totally accurate um but it is a really really strong deck right now but it does not even run desert duel so i haven't seen any of these my first opinion though when i look at them off the top of my head i'm like oh okay well desert duel is the strongest of the three of these rocket barrage slow speed if rocket barrage was fast i could see it being strong right it, sort of like a board wipe um pnz card it, pnz could use this that being said like why mm. wouldn't you just play the five two that deals one damage to everything on your enemy's board instead of playing this I, I just don't understand why you would play this um i can't even remember the name of that like steampunk type character that that's oh out there. the the Kempunk shredder yeah Kemp. yeah like why wouldn't you just play Kempunk shredder i'm not i'm not sure why you wouldn't just play that um you know desert duel i think is it, like i said i think desert duel is actually pretty strong i think it could be really good um i think that celestial wonder is just bad like i think it's just i mean it is a fast speed stun that in and of itself isn't awful right like that in and of itself is pretty decent um but i don't think it's good yeah I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super impressed by any of them. I think Desert Duel is probably the the coolest one. Probably lines up pretty well with Renekton. We just haven't seen Renekton be really good yet. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I will say all three of these cards are relatively thematic within their regions. So I like that. What we've kind of seen a little bit of complaints on is that Bandle City does everything. They kept these three cards while they may not necessarily be the most powerful. And I think with, with the size of the card pool right now. How uh, they haven't taken anything out of it, but they've just continued to add cards to it. I think it's hard for three cards, unless they're obviously broken, to come in and have an immediate impact. I think they will eventually find some ways to be used because they're not bad. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're awful. Let's say that. I don't think any of these three cards are awful. I, I think Celestial Wonder is pretty bad. I, you, you can use it if, let's say, you're playing Yasuo. Right, which like every time we see stun. something with the word stun, we say let's play Yasuo let's with play it, Yasuo. and Yasuo is always bad still. So I mean, it'll have some, it'll have a late game effect if you really wanted to tar tech one or two of them. You don't throw, you don't play three Celestial Wonder in a deck. I think that's, I think that's pretty fair, pretty obvious. Yeah, that's, but yeah, I think you could say that's that's wrong. I think it would just be wrong, right? So, but like Desert Duel, I think it have a place in a certain kind of deck. Um, I've I've heard people playing it with the uh, uh, the Vakaron card from uh, from Sharima that gives something plus two attack and negative two defense or uh, vice versa. It's the the four cost the safe cracker. Uh, uh, yeah, the Vakaron safe cracker. It's a it's a four cost unit in Sharima that um, does it does some additional kind of uh, buffing things to it. Um, I think this has a similar effect to that, but just with, and yeah, it gives an ally plus two attack and an enemy uh, 
negative two uh, offense. So it helps kind of pair along with this card. Um, so there's definitely some thematic reasonings in here why I think Desert Desert Duel could work. Um, but it'll take a little bit of time for it to it, it to kind of find its home. And that's okay. It doesn't yeah, I have think to have an immediate well with impact. Renekton. Like I, I still feel like he mm-hmm. hits he just fits well with Renekton and um you know Renekton's not really seeing the is not really seeing play right now, which is okay. Um it's just kind of how it is, you know. Renekton Renekton's not hasn't really found a home. Oh, we'll get uh, there. Because cause, cause other things are finding play. Yeah. So all, all kinds of other stuff has gotten changed, and there's a couple of them that I think are are really noteworthy. I'm just going to rifle through the champions real quick. Aphilios, uh, all of his spells, his, his, his gifts from beyond spell went up of mana, but all of his weapons went down, so they're back down to two mana instead of being at three. Azir now levels uh, quicker, so he levels on landmarks in addition to other things. Um, which I, I think is a very interesting dynamic as well. Um, uh, Nar uh, got debuffed, so his stats went down. Pantheon stats went down. Pike's stats went down. Um, Rumble uh, now can level if Mecha Yurtles deal damage. So if he, you see him or his Mecha Yurtles deal damage, all the Mecha Yurtles basically got buffed along with him. And then Victor got a pretty massive buff as well where his now his his spell thing that you know we had talked about before now costs zero um which is pretty significant like his you know upgrades yeah his upgrades cost zero i i heard somebody say it the other day well it's like well now instead of you know being i don't know whatever whatever however much mana it was going to cost you to level him up if you did it just with upgrades he only costs four mana to level up and i i really genuinely didn't think about it that way but that's true um there's there's definitely some truth to that so some interesting new stuff that was uh was added in um i i'm i'm kind of curious do you have uh you know any additional thoughts uh feelings anything like that about the about the the champion side of things yeah 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 about about the champ i mean what are your thoughts i mean there's there's all kinds of champions obviously that got changed what do you think has been the most influential um i know i have a couple of that you know, sure. I've had some personal vendetta with. Um, <laughs> so so. I'll, I'll say on the champion side, one, I'm glad that they listened and they toned down to Nar. And I think they did a good job of toning down Nar. I don't think he's unplayable. I don't think they nerfed him into the ground, but they recognized and they listened to the player base that he was overtuned and they saw that he was in a bunch of top tier decks and said, okay, he could use some, he could use some adjustment. And they did that. Um, I thought the adjustment was appropriate. It wasn't it wasn't exactly what I had in my head, but it was more of just a stack correction is what they did, but I would have liked to have seen him lose quick attack on his level one, so it's a little harder for him to get to the level two, but then the level two was a big payoff. Um, yeah. The hard thing about Nar is, is that I love the quick attack because I want, like, even if he dies, I love the fact that you almost always are going to be guaranteed to get that pokey stick um but i guess you would get it either way probably yeah and i think you'd get the pokey stick either way but i think that i I liked what they did with nar um pantheon i think was very strong i don't have a problem with them toning down pantheon because i think as a whole i think he's still fine right yeah does it really make a difference i mean it doesn't right not not on the first turn he's played because he still has the barrier I mean, he's a little bit less, da- he's slightly less dangerous because of his, his attack stat is lower, right? But 
I, I think faded is such a good enough keyword and it's just yeah. going to take an extra one turn of effort to get him back to that same statted place because the faded will, the, whatever you played on him health. faded. Like he's, right. he's still the same health. So, and he had low enough health to begin with. I didn't think that needed to be touched. No, so I, I think it's fine. I liked what they did with Pantheon. Um, my... I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think they did anything with Pantheon. Like, I know that they lowered his attack by one point. I just don't think it mattered. Like, I think that is... Pantheon could be a 1-2. It it would not make any difference. Like, okay, so it does make a difference in the fact that if you play him early, like, let's say you have two in hand and you play him early, but that Pantheon usually dies. You usually don't win the game with him there anyway. Um, so in that way, it matters if you play him early, but his leveled up form, like, I don't think you even care, right? You just care about the fact that he's going to get spell shield, elusive scout and, and lifesteal. Um, right. You know, it's, it's about the keywords on this guy and then throwing a spell on him real quick to, you know, keep boosting his attack each round. So I don't, yeah, that, that's, that's a hard point for me. Cause I don't even think it is about his stats at all. So I, I think this, this change is eh, inconsequential to me. Well, and they and they said that the the change was also driven by his success with Yumi, mm-hmm. together in a deck. So, but Yumi isn't strong enough to have needed a hit. So I I agree that they did it to Pantheon. If anything, um, the other thing that I noticed that I think I would have liked to see is they really didn't make and we'll we can get a little further into this too. But they didn't make any sort of what I would have considered the biggest problem region being the lack of representation from the lack of non meme meaningful representation from Bilgewater. The only thing they did from a champion perspective was nerf Pike because they must have seen something coming. They had a fear of lurk. Of yeah. Lurk, Cause I don't, I have no better. idea why this got nerfed. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset with it because I think him and his is, I think Pike and his spell form, is is still dangerous sure like the death from below if found on curve is almost like your percentage of winning a game jumps up significantly if you find death from below on curve and you've had at least a couple um yeah if you've had you've had you've hit lark a couple times so i'm not did i'm not perturbed by the idea of nerfing pike but why why was there nothing else in probably in in what I would consider the least represent re, least representation in the game competitively? But outside of Sharima, maybe Sharima was about the same as Bilgewater or slightly lower, and we saw Sharima get a bunch of meaningful effects and reworks. Why yep, was there nothing, nothing for Bilgewater? Bilge. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, we got like uh, we got like sh- the sheriff card uh sheriff buffed. yeah and that was that was like it like there was and that's in, got and that's nothing. to me is inconsequential like yeah yeah no one played that they're not going to probably play it now it doesn't really make a difference yeah so i would i would have liked to have seen some more things go to bilgewater you've they've, they've buffed some sort of card and everything else yeah and bilgewater which already had a low representation didn't see a single buff outside of laurent which like we've thought, like we said, is a is a high costed unit that has a good effect, but not a stat line or a deck that it fits in that's worth playing it in. So, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more something for Bilgewater. It's just it's just a little puzzling. 
Now let me let me go to what is puzzling for me because there's some things here who I that I'm like, okay, come on now, guys, come on, puzzle away. Like, what the heck were you thinking? So okay, so let's start with Aphelios. Aphelios uh, has been one of the most changed champions in the game, probably. Um, it you know comes in as I think a three mana three three. I think it comes in as this with all of his his guns being two. Um, they swap him out. He becomes a two a three mana three two. Then they uh, then they increase all of his guns to three cost, make him virtually unplayable. Um, then they bring him back to how he was originally was, which is this sort of like backline value generating champion. To be fair, I always liked Aphelios. I think he's very interesting in gameplay. I'm glad he's back in the meta. Um, but I don't understand why. Like people did not like these types of decks very much, or didn't like playing against these types of decks very much. I can't imagine they're going to be in love with it now. Um, I, I, I Aphelios is very represented right now, at least where I am in Diamond. Um, he's super strong, and he's in combination with another champion that is probably now officially overtuned. Although I don't blame the team for that one. Uh, I I do think that Aphelios was perfectly fine um, with his weapons being at three. He fit into tri-beam decks. That was a perfectly okay place for him to be. I don't need him to be anywhere else. I don't care for this change. Um, I'm not, it's not the most upsetting to me, but I don't care for it. Um, I'm, I'm going to dive down. Rumble is pretty inconsequential to me. It doesn't matter what you did to him. People still aren't going to play him with Mecha Yertles because they're just worse than playing aggro with Draven. So this makes no difference to me. Like people aren't still people still aren't gonna play crappy cards to manifest better cards that they can't get down that round. And I would um, like and, and I would like to make a note. I'd like to make his voice heard. DBN did tell me his opinion on on um Rumble because he does like Rumble as a champion. He was not too keen on this change because what they did was is they essentially they buffed all of his mecha yordles and they um, changed his level up to be including Mac Yordle, so they're, it almost feels like they're shoehorning him into that. Yeah, they, and he was are, a really they're putting him in a box champion. Now. They're putting him in a box now where he previously wasn't. He may have needed a buff. He may have needed a little something else, a slight something else. I don't think a lot. Yeah, he's hard to buff because he's all he's like he's on the he's always going to be on the edge of just being like game busting because yeah. he's because of his mana cost. I think at four as a five four that can grab three keywords, he's just always at the point of potentially breaking the game. He's a really hard card to mess with. There's no doubt. But I also don't like the idea of them consistently trying to shove things into boxes and, like, you're not putting... You're not playing this card in the deck I want you to play it in, so we will keep buffing and nerfing it until you must play it how we intended it to be played. Um, so the next buff uh, wasn't one that we even talked about. It's a buff to Caitlyn Timo. Um, and that is all the flash bombs now go in the top eight cards instead of the top 10 cards. Um, I honestly think that Caitlyn Timo was a pushing S tier. Um, very difficult to deal with prior to this. I think it has to be an S tier deck now. Um, I understand why they did this. I think they just wanted to see people experiment with flash bombs and play Caitlyn outside of Timo, Caitlyn Timo. Um, I get that, and I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to play, I think, actually, Gibby, as I was sitting here, Caitlyn Swain is probably where I'm going because um, the Flash Bombs will count for leveling up Swain. Um, they weaken the board. I have a board. Caitlyn Swain deck for you. Yeah, well, I, I, might, be, I might be checking it out because I, I think that's where I'm headed. 
So uh, I don't love this. I have a problem with too because, in my opinion, Caitlin Timo is one of the most frustrating decks to lose to because you very rarely lose to what you feel like was your opponent's better gameplay. Um, it almost is always down to the wire. You almost always lose because you just drew too, too many puff caps. Um, that's really frustrating for me. Um, let's, I, I, I can't quit talking here. Victor, 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 Victor. Uh, if you currently go to Mobilytics, if you go to Mobilytics right now and you look and you say, what is the LOR top tier lists? I think this is a report that was written by swim. Um, right now, S tier number one, Victor Riven. Yep. Uh, really aggressive. Why? Because now Victor doesn't really play like a sit on the back line and wait for him to level up champion. He plays as a really aggressive champ. And there's this one, but there's also an Akshan Victor. There's also a Draven Victor. Um, and there's an Aphilios Victor. Um, there's another three decks that run Victor that I would call all of them A tier. I think that Victor Draven is S tier. Interesting. And I think he's just become so versatile that you can just toss him into whatever you want. Well, his level up anim his level up requirement has always been right. It's always been flexible based around creative created cards, but he needs to be useful. And the complaint yeah. has always been that he's too slow. What did you do? You made him turn online faster by making all of his hex core upgrades cost zero. And that's not a one turn buff. That's not a slight buff. That takes nope. him from sl too slow as a control champion to in a, in a mid range cost to really aggressive because he has immediate effect that when you put him down, he starts buffing himself and he just gets better and better and better the more you don't deal with him. He's a runaway champion. He's a freight train. I've seen him play with Caitlyn too, and he's super strong with Caitlyn as well. Like, what happens when he pulls Spell Shield on the first shot? And yeah, then he's going to continue. Quick attack or elusive. And then he's going to continue building like hex core upgrades. Like, oh man. Like, he, he just, there's, there's no. There's nothing wrong that you can pull on the first mm -hmm. play with him, and he's just really good. Um, I'm not mad at it. Me I'm neither. not. And I think the game, this is one of those champions and one of these, of these buffs where I think the game and the player base will adjust. Now, there are some other very synergistic champions that create cards like Riven, like we talked about, like Draven, that... Mm -hmm really really work with victor and that's not with and that's not victor's fault but i'll let you get your opinion off with this because i think you said it best to me before the show about your stance on this with the devs because i think this ultimately falls on them yeah you know it, it's one of these ones where it's like i i don't this is one i don't blame the devs for because it was like they were just pushing this, pushing this, pushing this, pushing this, pushing this. We've seen Victor get slowly upgraded over time from being completely unplayable to completely unplayable to completely unplayable. And now he's just, you know, he's just over the top. 
I, I feel like the devs had to have known about this one. I feel like you had to have played him and been like, yeah, Victor's really strong. He's super overtuned. He's never been playable. Let's release a Victor that's too strong. Um, I think it's disappointing that he's probably going to have to get nerfed. Like, I think he's going to warp the meta in such a way that he's going to have to see a nerf. I, I've seen, heck, I've seen Victor played with uh, with Assault and um, and uh, Vi and just giving Vi elusive and Assault and, like, going through. Like, I've seen him played in so many ways, um, and every one of those decks is viable. So he's he might be one of the more versatile, one of the most versatile champs in the game currently. They just he's replaced that strong. They just replaced Victor with no or Nar with Victor. Nar was the in most versatile ways. and power powerful champion, but just a four different drop. way. Four drop. He was a mid he was a mid range costed champion that had a potent effect and a multitude of decks. And yep. it was loved by many, played by many, hated by some. But it's it's a it they just they just changed they just changed who it was they changed the name they changed the uh the faction that it was associated with and that's okay I mean Victor's a fun champion I think I think the created card side of things and the the upgrades are something that we have as the player base have been wanting to explore for so long that yeah let them have and their with, cake for a bit with ribbon and draven they just come naturally like they just both generate the blades and the blade fragments in your hand right. Um, but let me tell you what I can and will blame the devs for. Um, Azir. Um, so Azir now levels up when you drop landmarks or creatures. Um, this took Azir and Mono Shirima, and it has not just elevated it, in my opinion, to S tier, which the, the Mobilytics report puts it at A tier. I think that is entirely inaccurate. Um, I think that, and I'm not trying to overreact about this, but I think that, like, it's it's this insane, it's way worse than Tree. Like, it's way worse than Bandle Tree. Um, because you get your winning, your win strategy on board, turn one, without having to spend any mana, and your deck enables you to run a two-drop that gives that landmark immunity gives it spell shield before almost any deck can play anything to remove it it has warped the meta in such a way that it has forced every deck you cannot play right now if you do not have landmark removal you must funny. carry the silver bullet it's funny because i've seen conversation where people can't even agree if um the two drop that you're speaking of is like necessary it might not even be. You can level it so fast. Yeah, like so, so the card we're talking about is Soothsayer. Soothsayer says when I'm summoned, grant an ally, grant allied champions and landmarks, which includes your your sun disc that automatically comes down on one if you have nothing but Sharima cards, spell shield. AKA they can't remove it. And the only thing that can target landmarks really are effects from very high costed units. Your opponent's landmarks, that is. It's either very high costed units or spells, and that's a lot of uh, commitment to use to remove uh, a one drop that you didn't even have to spend mana on that got played. So, yep. so um, yeah, that's a lot to do on there. But here's my thoughts on Azir. I think it's hilarious that a small change in addition to his level up pool being they've now added landmarks. Who would have thought? 
Who would have thought? And maybe they did know. Who knows? I they had to have guessed. How could you not have run? Like, did you not you... play test it? Like, that's yeah, how... my question. Like, like that, it's beyond me. Like, how can you go and say any champion who has the ascended keyword on it? Let's make a change to them. How do you not immediately go play that card in a mono Sharima Sun Disc list? Like, like, you have to do that. This conversation makes me smile because I like talking about this change because to me, I. Like if you like when I read this, I was like, "Oh, that's cool, that's relevant." But I did not think this was going to be broken. But it makes sense that it's broken because they added. What was the problem with Sharima? What was the problem with Sun Disc decks? That Nasus, Renekton, and Azir had no synergy. So you had yep. to build separate decks, but you want to play all of them because they all build around they all build around Sun Disc. What could you? What could you not do? You couldn't play a cohesive deck and have enough deck slots to play multiple of them because they didn't have any synergy. What did you do with Azir? You you widened him up so that way he can he now this work perfectly. He can now receive landmarks, and there's no. It became brainless. It became brainless from a deck building perspective because Azir and Zareth, as you just mentioned, now directly benefit from the playing and destruction. In, in that order, respectively, of landmarks. They're just both landmark-centric now, and units, which you're always going to have as a part of every deck, unless you're playing Go Hard. Like, you're always going to have units to play on board. So they they yep. directly correlate now, and you took... I, I had this revelation as we were prepping for the episode. You took the most aggressive Ascendant Champion, whose, whose weak spot is his late game. You took the most... You took the next one, which is the mid-range champion, who also doesn't have that grave a late game. I actually think his level up, his level two, um, uh, power is better than his, his his top one. But you took his stats get crazy. Sarah's stats get crazy when he gets to his his third level. Oh yeah, uh, he's he's right. just he's just unfreaking killable. Yeah. Right. So you took the most aggressive champion with a weak late game and a mid-range champion who has an okay level two level up animation but a broken one because of his stats at level three and you gave them both a way to mitigate their weakness is getting to level three they suck at getting to their ascended level up and that's what makes them hard to play and made them hard for so long you made them you i call it the power rangers deck now because you made them team up and turn into a giant robot tiger aka the sun disc and now they're unkillable and they win. They just automatically win. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the thing is that they now they work together. They, they put on their morphin suits, they bump fists and they by bump fists. <laughs> I mean, I mean summon landmarks and they just go to town on everybody else. Yeah. And like, just so for the record of like why, like how I know that this deck is, is, is just cracked. It does not even run esteemed Hierophant. Like, the, the esteemed elephant is a three mana three four a good statted creature that says when I am summoned advance your buried sun disc three rounds. What was previously? It has nothing to do with landmarks. Yep, it was previously one of the best things 
in the Sun Disc deck. Like I think it was a it was it was really good. Like you ran that in your Sun Disc deck mm-hmm. because it was a decent statted minion that was able to trade for you. But now guess what? You don't even have to trade. Like you run a couple of ancient hourglasses to protect your two guys, right? Your Azir and your Zareth. Mm-hmm. You run uh the Allegiance because it always hits. It draws your it draws your Zareth or your or your Azir. And Azir levels so fast in this deck, it's crazy. Because he starts off at one, you drop an ancient preparations, go find what you need. Your Dune Keepers are summoning double. Your Preservariums are now summoning. Your Rock Hopper is leveling double. And and the MVP for this deck in many ways is Unraveled Earth. Because it's just like, okay, I just get to draw into my deck, three mana, burst speed, make my opponent's stuff vulnerable, and now get to trade into it. And your Desert Naturalist, let me just say, Desert Naturalist loves it because you get this endless devout three mana, three, three. That when it dies, it gives you this, you know, countdown three that's going to summon a five, three. Well, if you destroy it, it automatically summons the five, three. You Desert Naturalist this thing, you get a, from your board having a landmark that needs to count down, you get a two, four, a five, four, and a five, three with Fearsome with one card. Like, that, it's that not- combo existed before but it's stronger now because you're doing that and simultaneously. With a yeah, now if you have a Zareth on the board, guess what? That's also leveling up Zareth, shooting damage at things, creating new creatures on the board, leveling up your Azir. It's it's doing all of the stuff and it just does it so rapidly. And it's like good statted stuff too. Like that's it. This isn't like creating a 1 1. This is like creating no. a 5 5, like a 5 4. Like you mentioned, like this is. It's like, good. It is not at all uncommon for this deck to finish Sundisk on turn six. Like, which is like an auto win condition too, because if you've seen Azir's deck, also that's an interesting interaction I didn't know too. Is that when, like, if you're playing puff caps and traps, and you level up all of your your stuff because of the Sundisk, and you've got Azir, like, and he replaces your deck, it gets rid of all of the traps and the puff caps. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. That's just hilarious. And you you add that in to the buff they gave to Quicksand. Um, and this card, like Sharima, it's really interesting because they way overtune regions when they get added in. Then they hack them to pieces and then they rebuff stuff unless it's Bilgewater and then they never rebuff it and they keep nerfing it. Um, so we saw that happen with Targon, right? Targon got was so strong, it got pretty gutted. And then they've slowly but surely rebuffed Targon cards to get them back, hence Aphelios buff here, which isn't the greatest grievance. Sharima, however, um, like, I I agree. Like, they just kept buffing Talia. Like, Akshan came out, was really strong. It's like, why is, like, why were we revisiting Azir and not Renekton? Like, that's my question. Sure. It's like, no one wants to play against Azir. Like, nobody wants to play against Azir. We all played against Azir Aurelia, and I'll say this deck doesn't seem as cracked as Azir Aurelia, but it's not far from it in terms of frustration. And so, like, no one wants to play against this card. Like, why did you not buff Renekton and make Renekton viable, which a lot of people have never had the chance to play because he's been trash since the days come out, with the exception of a couple of sort of meme not high win rate decks. Um, so I just don't get it. Like, I just don't get why you, why this buff, why now, why would you let this deck in the meta? Like, I just don't get it. 
Well, let's it's so confusing to me. Let's let's say this with the new message put out by the devs that they plan to do more frequent balance patches. Hopefully, some of this will get taken care of, and there there will be more balance to the game. I we had we had been a while without some meaningful changes, and uh-huh. this balance patch that these these cards got uh, adjusted alongside or as a part of, I should say, that was a pretty large adjustment to the game. It shifted and, and shifted some stuff up, quite a bit of stuff up, and essentially rewrote a whole new meta. And yeah. I'm not mad at that. I think. I mean, this deck got rid of like the Sunday's deck erased darkness because darkness cannot move fast enough to be the lord but it's not because darkness got any worse the moment this deck goes away darkness comes back it's just because darkness does not have landmark removal which by the way did you know that you can level up uh rumble now via vigar because he's a mecha yordle oh rumble vigar let's go rumble vigar is a thing maybe that's the deck yep so there's, there's, there are new combinations out there. I think things still need to settle a little bit, and things will need to get tuned down. That is true. Yep. And tuned up, because we're seeing a very lopsided representation in the regions. Mm-hmm. But, like, for example, me- did the second most change region by number of cards, was, in terms of buffs, was Demacia. Where's Demacia in all of this? Nowhere to be found. I know, and it's so funny because Demacia, right before this, was so strong with all of that that Petrosite, uh, the Challenger one. Yeah, where's Galio? Where did did Galio go? He just, he, well, you can't play Galio when every other game, yeah, when every other game is going to level up Sundisk before Galio can hit the board. It turned, you can't play Galio anymore. It turned into really big cheat decks, really big cheat, like late game decks, like, Targon's Peak, yeah, or you're running really aggressive stuff or combos like that are very niche and like can't be messed with. So like yeah, or or stuff that can have landmark removal. Like, why do you why do you think that there's so many Victor decks that are also running Noxus? It's because Scorched Earth can be run in it. Like that's the reason it's there. Right. Well. I think we've talked a lot about the changes that have kind of come into the game and our thoughts on them. Uh, why don't we uh, continue to move on into uh, our next uh, kind of topic of the of the episode, um, which would be kind of moving into our closing thoughts, right? Yeah, let me let me just say because I don't want to end on a bad note. I do want to say a couple of things that I think they got right. Loping telescope, conchologist, fact. fact. Um, sharp sight, hundred and fifty percent. I don't even hate what they did to twin disciplines, only because it's great. it makes it. Di- yeah, I think twin disciplines was a good change. It makes it less aggressive for elusive decks, but still leaves the versatility that you need um, to sort of defend yourself or even get a little bit of extra attack um, in some of your other decks on, on some of your stuff that has first strike. I think that I think that that stuff was excellently done. Um, some of the other changes are probably, eh, but like even calculated creations, I thought that was a cool change. I've always liked that card. Don't don't have a problem with that. Um, I love that Jarvin's dad got buffed. Um, so you know, I there there were some changes Grandpa that Shields. were really good. What was that? I so said I call him Grandpa Shields. 
Grandpa Shields. <laughs> I like him. I, I've always liked J4, so I, I'm, I was glad to see it. I think that the Vanguard Servant nerf was warranted. Um, it was just too it was just too strong of a card in a lot of situations, even though that hurt, you know, hurts a Lux deck for me. So I think there was a lot of things in this that were done right. I'm afraid that it's just going to get overshadowed by the mono Sharima list that and it's like it's like this for so many of the tweaks that the team does. It's like they do a set of, of notes and patch updates, and it's like, okay, yeah, like 80% of these are really good, or 90% of these are really good. And then there's like there's like one there's like one turd in the pudding, man. Every time. Right? Just don't if it's, scoop it out. It's like, oh, all these changes are good, but Iceborne Legacy. Like Yeah, that's you know, a good point. There's like there's always one turd. And it's like uh, just it just leaves people with a bad taste in their mouth because they feel like, well, to play this game, I have to eat a turd. Even though the other aspects of the game are great, I still have to eat a turd. So well, okay, yeah, let's get out of here, and, and you're right. We do need to move on and, and work our way out of here. Let's work our way over to Closing Thoughts. Okay, guys, in this episode of Closing Thoughts, um, or this episode of Closing this episode of Legends Cast, in Closing Thoughts, we uh, try to give you something to live by, not just game by. Hopefully your life will get better uh, overall um, by being involved and listening to our show. So uh, I wanted to give you just a couple of, uh, couple of thoughts from my life, I was I was just thinking about something the other day. I was I can't even remember what I was learning. Um, oh, I was learning how to set up uh, like a donation box on a Squarespace page, a skill set that I now have that I might not ever use again. But who knows? There may come a time when that skill set comes in handy. But I knew how to manipulate the Squarespace page page specifically because a couple of years ago I started a website for leadership training and called Relevant Leadership, and I did a podcast on leadership. You can't get it anymore, um, but I did a podcast on leadership back then, and I interviewed different leaders from different spheres of life um, and released that on the website, and then I did a blog post every week on there. And at the time, it seemed like a waste of my energy and time. Not a lot of people looked at it. I ended up shutting it down, but now I needed that skill set to manipulate our Squarespace page for the church that I lead that's entirely online. And so it just, it, it dawned on me the other day. It's like, you should try to learn something every day. Like, even if that thing that you're learning isn't super valuable, even if you're not sure if you're ever going to learn it, uh, use it again. And by learn something, I don't mean like read another page of Elder Scrolls lore from a wiki or something like maybe that will come in handy and maybe you should learn that thing but there should always be a skill or a book or something that you're learning like pick up something every day and keep your brain nimble and like a sponge and like continually grow it helps you so much in multiple areas of life i think being successful mm -hmm. but i think it just keeps life engaging and optimistic and enjoyable when you're just like okay you wake up and you're like yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to figure something out today. Like, I'm going to learn something today, whatever that might be. So that's my closing thought. Like, try to learn one thing each day. Like, devote yourself to that. It takes on a bit of a different tone when it's forced, per se. But, like, sure. my, my wife is a psychologist, and part of her, her degree and her being board certified or as a psychologist or um, treating patients, being in that field, they have a continual learning 
uh, expectation, a lifelong learning expectation as a part of that field that you continue to take some class or learn some new treatment methodology or some new test uh, to use on a patient. And I think that's, she's got a very optimistic uh, outlook about that because she enjoys learning. And that's, a, that's almost like that going to goes hand in hand. It's a cool thing for her. But that has influenced my decisions on being like, yeah, I should continue to learn. I should try to go find something, something new to learn and uh, something useful that is maybe unique to me that maybe she doesn't know that I can use to improve my life and hers. So um, it's not always about knowing what somebody else is know somebody else knows. Sometimes it's it's more useful to know something that somebody else doesn't. So that way you can use that as a as a as a tool to help other people. That's yeah. That's the way I think about about learning. Yeah, and it's not like a legalistic thing. It's just like hey, you should always have a bent, like a natural bent towards exploration. Like just have a bent towards like wanting to know new things. Like don't have this pessimistic outlook on life that when a new opportunity arises for you to have a new experience or learn a new thing that you're like, eh, I didn't really want to do something new today. I didn't really want to learn anything. Like too many people are too change adverse and uh, and learning and developing new things and trying new things is, is a really good thing. Um, you know, have that, have that sort of explorer mindset um, even in small things I think is important. Well, th uh, that's going to do it, man. That We're going to wrap it up, hey? Um, yeah, I've got one yeah. piece. Here, here's your here's your piece of knowledge for the day. Let's go. What's your thing? What are we learning? So you, you know those you know those long spoons or those those long spoons where the stem of the spoon is almost like a spiral kind of corkscrew. Sure, sure. It's like almost like a metal spoon that usually you see with coffee uh -huh. or like a bartender use. You know or like uh, or even like a milkshake. Yeah. You yeah. want to know what that's for? That spoon. You're supposed to pour drinks, especially carbonated ones, against that spoon so it drips down the length of the spoon because it 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 eliminates the drink from foaming up as it's being poured. Listen to that. Look at See guys, your explorer mindset has paid off and you've learned something new about spiral long spoons. There we go. Something new today. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for that. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for checking things out. Once again, come and join our Discord Camp Legend. That's our podcasting network. We'd love to have you come and hang out with us there. In addition to that, Gibby and DBN do have an additional show, um, and uh, and that show is Eros Airwaves, which you can check out, Pokemon Unite Aos Podcast. Airwaves. Aos, sorry. Aos Airwaves, Pokemon Unite Podcast. And you can also check out our Dungeon & Dragons Play Podcast, as we are playing uh, in Piltover and Zon right now. That is Almost Legends. Uh, please feel free to go check that out. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here, and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.